it's simply to be more like you. Happy Father's Day. All right, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord here today. new song here. Some of you may have heard this. Um, it's called Battle Belongs. And what's really interesting, and 
in, um, in just uh, life I just, uh, I've been feeling, not only over the last couple uh, weeks especially, but over the last year, I think a lot of us have felt like we're in a battle, and we are, and we talked about that, and it's not against always flesh and blood, but it's against uh, principalities and spirits and powers that are here. We are in a, there is a whole battle going on around us, and so what's, what it's hard to remember sometimes is when we're going through it in the flesh, that the battle belongs to the Lord, and so this song is an awesome song. I want you to sing it. You'll be singing it in your head all day. Um, and hopefully all week. So the battle belongs. When all I see is a battle you see my victory When all I see is the mountain You see a mountain move And as I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh Nothing can stand 
Be singing that you'll be sitting around later it's really cool but all right so it's i think it's really cool how sometimes like you'll just be sitting you'll you'll be going through something and then you'll just turn on the radio and god has something for you and it's just just awesome all right so we're here at our time of prayer we're going to go ahead and lift um some prayer requests today um we have uh prayers for the family of ruth underwood she passed away at the age of ni- the young age of 96 so um, we thank God for that. Um, Holly's asking for prayers for a friend's health. Um, Wes and Emily asked for prayers for the Phillips family and the loss of Andrew's mother. Um, uh, Carol asked for prayers for Jane Brown, who has cancer. We also want to continue to lift up um, uh, Patty Miller's um, brother, Paul, and, and healing and other kinds of things there. Um, we also want to lift up the Shives family, um, Todd's niece, um, tragically Taylor, um, Spigler James was killed in a really fluke accident. So, um, and um, she was a, uh, a young young person. She, she had a family too, correct? So, um, obviously, they're dealing with a lot of lot of grief there, um, a lot of senseless stuff going on. So, you know, in in the world, but um, we continue to lift that, um, them in the prayers and the family for um, for healing in that in that incredible loss. Uh, for um, Jeannie uh, Bowman, um, she has is having her. Uh, an amputation tomorrow, um, so lift her in prayers. Um, we also want to lift up, um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think, it just skipped me, um, Debbie, Debbie and um, 
and Scott, they, um, uh, her mother passed away, Alice um, N- Nisley. Um, some of you have been around the area remember Mr. Nisley, who was a teacher and also an uh, administrator in the county. His wife passed away at the age of n- uh, 92. Um, and so we celebrated her life yesterday. And then um, also uh, we want to have a big congratulations. Um, Rich and Gail Jurgens are celebrating their 58th anniversary, correct? <laughs> Wedding anniversary. So, so Rich said Gail gets a medal, right? <laughs> Definitely. Okay. But I'm just wondering, Dave's sitting in between you two today. I don't know what that's about. So, <laughs> But anyway, uh, congratulations on that and many, many more years. Um, we, we ask that God uh, be with you in this process, okay? So that's our prayers. Let's, lift, let's go to Lord in prayer and lift those up right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you with so much on our hearts and our minds. Um, again, we want to lift up the families of those who experienced loss, the Nisley family, um, the Underwood family, um, for uh, obviously um, the extended family of the Shies family, for Taylor and everything that went on there, um, for uh, be with uh, Jeannie Bowman, um, be with uh, also the loss uh, for the Phillips family, Andrew's mother. Um, for anybody who has anything, we thank you for anniversaries and things that are exciting and um, that we can just uh, enjoy in this process. But God, um, so many of us this year, I've heard so many things, um, are going through some kind of battle. And um, help us just to stop and remember that the battle is not ours, but it is yours. It is hard at times to really to really believe that because we're living here and we're like, wow, this is just so much. And there's one thing after the next. But God, whatever it may be, we know that you are um, you're in control of all things, although it may not seem like it. Today, uh, God, um, and I include myself in this, for those of us who are experiencing um, the first Father's Day with the loss of a father, um, it's a little bit mixed. But I know, God, that, um, that you're here. For others who when we have these videos and we show them, we recognize that not everybody's father was just the, um, the epitome of, of godliness and not the epitome of what a Christian father um, will be. But God, we know that you promised to fill that void. And so we give you uh, praise for all you're, you're doing. And even for those who may not be biological fathers, but have stepped into that role and given us those, those uh, ways and, um, and taught us the way and, and got after us when we needed it, but uh, and strengthened us and loved us in the midst of everything. So God, for any, anybody, as we always say on Mother's and Father's Day, um, for anybody who's, who, who's raising children in this, uh, in this world, it seems so hard and difficult at times. But God, I just ask for a special blessing upon them, that you'll strengthen them, whether single mothers or single fathers or whatever it may be, that God, you go ahead and make a way for these young people, that we pray that the world will come to see the true father, the true daddy, and that's what we're taught to pray, our daddy in heaven. And so God, um, be with us this day. Whatever you have for us, I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit, that you guide us, and you direct us. And we love you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are in week three of our No Fear series. Um, we have, uh, we're going to have some, um, some things that I'm going to share first. Um, again, we have our Stephen ministry that is um, very active, and, and it'll be here. Some have asked uh, um, when the next um, the grief share may be, and that'll probably be toward August and everything, so hopefully you'll get a chance to connect with some of that if you're interested, but also our Stephen ministers are always available. Today is the collection for the baby bottle drive, and how many people go, darn it, I forgot my baby bottle. That, you know, you can get that in. Um, again, you can still give online today for the baby bottle drive, which we handed out on, um, 
on Mother's Day, and we are completing today, and that is uh, go, all that other funds go directly to the Cecil County Pregnancy Center for there. Parish Foundation, I heard we're good, and got those. Thank you all for meeting that need again. How awesome. We needed 30 last week, and you guys met the need, um, and that's, that's awesome, and please make sure those are over there between 4 and 4.15 today. Um, and the Stephen Ministry is also going to be hosting an informal meeting on the 22nd, um, and so um, it, it, the, uh, they're hosting this informational meeting. Are you a senior over 55? Come to informational meeting with uh, Sheila Murphy, Community Wellness Chief, Cecil County Department of Community Services. And if you're interested in that, Ron, Ron, who's not there? Where'd he go? There he is. All right. Um, so there's the other half. Um, so you can see them, and they'll go ahead and connect you. So there's some, some good things to go on if you're interested in that. Wow, a senior over 55. I'm getting closer. Uh, so anyway. Okay, well, I get it. All right. So we have that. Um, this is our, if you want to go ahead and you didn't get a regular bulletin, you can go ahead and use this. If you have your phone, just pull out your phone right now. Your smartphone, not one of those old ancient things that, you know, you have a bag phone, it won't work with that. But go ahead, hold it up there, hit the uh, camera, and you'll go ahead and have the bulletin digitally so you can actually add right into it, save it, have it as your own. And it's a great way to do that. Saves trees and it's another thing that we have, electric. So um, there we go. It's a QR code. And all you have to do is just... Hold up your camera and push on the screen, and then it'll work. All right. Anybody use that before? Anybody been using that? It's kind of cool. I know a lot of people love it. A lot of people are like, no, I want paper. Whatever. We provide them both. It's a smorgasbord of worship. We're ready to go. All right. So we are in our, our week three of the No Fear series, um, and we've been talking about this. So how many of you have ever, like, just been sitting somewhere, and kind of your brain starts to talk to you? And it may say things like this. You can't trust people. You know, people are all for themselves. People are selfish. And, and, you know, I'm scared because if they knew me, they really wouldn't like me. You know, I'm just scared because people are out for themselves. It's just too painful. I can't get burned again. I can't get burned again, so I'm just not going to talk to anybody. Anybody ever been there? All right. Well, in our, week's, uh, our week three series, what we're going to do is today's, um, today's topic is fear of closeness or fear of intimacy, all right? So um, we're going to talk about this, and in order to do so, here's our theme verse from Timothy, 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, and so that some of us may question that last section right there, a sound mind, but... Um, but that's what God has given us. What we choose to take is, is up to us. So let's take a look at this. Fear is not from God, but God has given us a spirit of love. God wants us to first connect to us intimately with him and out of a, a close, intimate relationship with God. His perfect love, we are told, drives out fear. And so when God's love comes into us and drives out fear, then we can be free to not only grow close to him, but also to others. But there's a problem that we all have. And the problem is this. So many of us have, become, have not become secure in a close, intimate relationship with God, and therefore we also may not have true, close intimacy with other people. The thought process kind of goes like this. We say, if you knew me, the real me, if you really knew the way I am, you may not like me. And I'm afraid of being rejected. And if I open up my heart to you and show you what's really inside, uh uh-oh. What if I share my dreams and my visions? 
What if I share my secrets? Will you reject me? Real quick, how many of you have a secret that if you share with somebody, you'd be afraid they might reject you or might think differently of you? Anybody? If you aren't raising your hand, you're keeping that secret really locked up, aren't you? Okay. Um, so that's, that's some of those. Um, and so that may scare you to death. Maybe you've been hurt before and you say, I've been, I've been betrayed and people gave me their word and they didn't live by their word and people that I gave trust to and yet they let me down and so often I'm just afraid to get close to people. Maybe somebody here desires a great marriage relationship but you saw your parents go through living hell and call it a marriage that ended in divorce and you took the pain of that upon you and you think I never want my kids to go through that I don't want to go through that and so I'm, I'm scared to death of intimacy you know what if what if we get married and then one day we just don't like each other <laughs> what if we fight <laughs> hey you guys are 58 years maybe that's why Dave's in the middle um, I don't know um, what if we fight all the time what if we're not attracted to each other or just find nothing like each other or what if the big one what if she ends up just like her mom or what if he ends up just like his dad okay you know and these are things that we we think about and we deal with and that fear tends to paralyze us in life let me ask this question how many of you have been burned or hurt bad in a relationship that you thought was a close relationship get your hands up there if you have somebody burned you a friend family whatever anybody okay all right there's some of those all right um so write this down. Write this down somewhere. Your pain is real. Okay, I'm not going to minimize that. Your pain is absolutely real. The pain that you've had. Some of the greatest pains I've had in my life have been by people who I thought loved me and cared for me. May have even been people that I loved and cared for and took a lot of my time and effort and was there for. Maybe it's some, some people that I went um, to another extent for only to have them turn around and bring hurt, pain, and all kinds of other things. Does that sound familiar to some of you? So we're not going to pretend that it's, the pain is not there. We're not going to do that. So let's acknowledge the fact uh, that of the pain of a broken relationship. That it can be one of the greatest or the greatest pains and hurt that we can experience. And there's a biblical example. And this guy is leaping in my face a lot lately. There's a great biblical example of a guy who went through this kind of pain. His name is Job. And Job was going through, had the worst day of anybody I know. And like I said, I'm really kind of working out a series on the book of Job right now because I think it's very fitting. Um, and it's, um, it's painful. It has a lot of questions. It has um, a lot of things. It's just all, it's, it's, it's good for us, I think, um, particularly after the year that many of us have had. And one day, everything comes crashing down. Like, he gets really bad news at first. And then as soon as that person's done talking and he starts to grieve, somebody else knocks on the door and tells him something else worse. I mean, he lost everything except for his wife who he might have prayed that she would have gone by the time she was done with him. But one of the things was because she was like, just curse God and die. You know, I mean, that's not encouragement. And the thing was, so he has an intimate relationship with her and she's telling him curse God and die. But what he did that is, that is the most major part of this thing is he has friends friends that come by and they sit down for a week and don't say anything I don't have any friends that do that but they sit down there and they don't say anything and he invited them into the intimate parts of his life 
And when everything crashed down, rather than encourage him and support him and stand by him, they criticize him, they accuse him of wrongdoing, they gossiped about him, they talked in front of him and behind his back, they said all sorts of bad, negative things about him, and you can hear the pain that comes through him in this broken relationship. When he says this in Job 19, 19, look what he says. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. Can you hear the pain in Job? Can you hear what's going on? Not only does he have the tragedy of the news that he's received, but those that he thought he could depend on, those that he has encouraged over the years, are now condemning him and not bringing him that comfort that he needs. So many people I know are living with the fear of intimacy and closeness because of past pain. And that pain is absolutely real. I know so many people that build walls of protection around their heart. And they're not going to let you know that there's a real need. You're not going to get too close. I'm going to keep you at a safe distance because I don't feel safe. Um, when I get real or when I'm close to people, I don't want to get hurt again. I'm never going to let anybody abandon me. I'll just make life on my own. And this is what some people do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple biblical thoughts, first of all, from the creation story about how fear, this fear can harm us. And, um, and we're going to look at this. We're going to unpack that, and then we're going to do some other things, okay, before we get to the overcoming fear. Everybody good? All right. So here's what we do. So God created Adam, and God said, man. And God created Adam, he created the heavens and the earth, he had all these kind of animals and all that kind of stuff. And he looked around and he said, wow, this is what? Good. They said, this is good. But it's not good for this guy, Adam, to be on his own. So Adam fell asleep and woke up with a rib pain and another pain. No, just joking. Um, woke up with, with Eve. And I'm joking, I'm just joking, okay. Um, but woke up with Eve right there with him. And he said, hello, and that's what happened. And so he said, hey, here is your help meet. That's actually what the term is. Somebody come alongside, all right, you. Um, and so he said, you guys, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do really good things. You're going to create. You're going to multiply. You're going to subdue the earth. You're going to rule over it. You're going to have lots of babies and have fun doing it. Just don't eat from this one tray. If somebody, you remember when you were a kid and your parents said, you can do whatever here, but don't. What was the thing you wanted to do? The don'ts. I'm still like that. If somebody says, don't do this, I'm like, eh, okay. And I'll get really close to that line, you know, and then, you know, like those kind of things. Um, but anyway, so that's what happened. Here, here's where they are. And so all of a sudden, the serpent came up, right? They're, they're chilling out. Now, the cool thing is, here's what we lose in the story. It's not like the serpent came up and said, come here. Yoo-hoo. Come here. Adam and Eve are hanging by the tree. You know, you know what that means? God said, don't eat from it. And they were like, oh, that looks good. Yeah, I know it does. It looks really good to me. Yeah. And they're just standing there. So the serpent is right there. And, this, and the serpent said, did God really say that you would die and, and don't eat from this? Did you, did you would die? So Adam and Eve went ahead and, and ate from the tree and sinned. And they gave in. And this intimacy with God that was there, because God created them and he walked with them in the garden and all that kind of stuff. There was an intimacy and a closeness with God, and that was broken at that point. And the, also the intimacy with each other was also destroyed because the intimacy with God was broken, and so was the intimacy with them. And so here's what we learn from this story. 
and we're going to unpack it a little bit. My fear of intimacy can do two things. My fear of intimacy can make me distant, can make me distant. I'm going to keep you at his arm, arm's length. I don't want to get hurt. Look at what it says here in Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Here, here it is right here. And it says, um, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. All right? I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. And God asked him a question, who told you you were naked? So what did he do? He said, I hid. Notice that again. I was afraid, so I hid. So many of us, because of broken relationships and being hurt and all kinds of other things in our lives, when somebody starts to get close to us, it triggers those past feelings, those past emotions, those past hurts, those dangers, and so we hide. A lot of us are getting really good at hiding in the open, and we hide from people in the open, and some of us go ahead and hide in general. What Adam did was he distanced himself from God and also from Eve as well. I was afraid because I was naked. Naked mean, uh, it means naked, um, but he was also, it also in the scripture is a symbol of vulnerability. Like, for instance, um, I remember one time that I was at the gym at the college, and I, they, the way they have it, you go into the door through the gym, and you go in, and then if you need to walk into the bathroom, the door locks behind you, so you can't get back into the locker room. One day I went in there, and I had shorts on and no shirt, and the door shut behind me. And I was like, and nobody was answering. So what I had to do was in my socks and my shorts and my nothing else, walk through the hallway, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, and I had to walk through the gym. Now, this ain't a body you walk through a gym without a shirt on. Do you know what I'm saying? So you have to walk through that. I, I quickly walked through like this and went around and, and got in and got changed. And I felt what? Vulnerable. All right? I'm, I'm out. You're out in the open. And so um, anybody ever been locked out of something with like in your underwear or something else like that, you know? Uh, anybody ever, nobody wants to admit to that? Somebody has, I know that. Um, but if that happens, like if you walk outside and somebody locks, I've had friends before that have, I've gone outside, you know, to grab something and they lock the door behind me. You know, college roommates, that's what they do. Anything to torture you and you're like, open the door, you know, and those kind of things. You feel vulnerable in these times. And so the big question we've got to ask ourselves is what are we hiding behind? In life, what are we hiding behind? Are you hiding behind an image, something that's been built up, maybe something that's kind of fake or a cocky attitude, or maybe you're overconfident and you know it hurts, but you're just kind of keeping this guard up? Or are you hiding beside, behind just all kinds of other things? Are you hiding be, behind some insecurities or some kind of addictions? Because one of the things that we recognize is my fear of intimacy and closeness can make me distant from God and other people. The second thing that we learn from Adam and Eve in the story is my fear of intimacy can also make me defensive. It can also make me defensive. Where something happens, I'm not taking the blame for this. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Kids are really good at this. I mean, you know, my, my kids have always been really good at this. Like when, you're, when they go, you, you be getting after them about something. Why did you do this? Well, what about her? 
I don't care. I'll deal with her later. But, but he, but, but she, she, I, I, I ended up going, she, we, she, we, you know, like this kind of stuff, you know, because it's all over the place. Let's blame everybody else rather than deal what we, we deal with. And we have a lot of grown-up kids in our culture. But, but they, but they, but he, but she, well, wait, no, it's not, not me, it's them. And we, and we look to that, and we become defensive. And notice in Genesis chapter 3, 12, that we have the blame game here. Look what it says here. It says, the man said, not my fault, it's the woman's fault. The woman, and they also, he also blames God here. That woman you put here. Do you notice he blamed God there? That woman, excuse me, all I did was take a nap, and I had a rib pain in her. It's your fault, God. Right? That's what he does. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, let me tell you something. Eve didn't have to, Eve, as the serpent did say, come here. Eve didn't have to go run and say, hey, Adam, come here. I want to give you something. No. It says she took it and turned and gave it to him. Where was Adam? Yes, dear. That's what he did. Because he wanted some, too. He wanted some of that fruit from the tree. So she said, I, she gave it to me, so I took it and ate it. God, you gave it to me. I wouldn't be eating this fruit if it wasn't for you and her. And some of us do that all the time. Some of us like to blame God for the blessings that we have in our life that we mess up. And then God looks at the woman and says, what is this you've done? And the woman said, not my fault. That serpent deceived me, and I ate it. In other words, the devil made me do it, all right? That's what she said. Notice the blame game that goes around. And this is something prevalent in culture. What do we see here? My fear of intimacy makes me defensive. How often do you hear this? It's not my fault. It's your fault. If you were different, if situations were different, you always do this and you never do that. It's all your fault. It all started in the Garden of Eden. Eve blamed the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Get it? That's a, that's a good joke. Come on. You know, all right. So, um, you guys are slow today. All right. So, um, our fear, that, there you go. Joanna just got it. All right. So our fear of getting close or having intimacy with God can make us both distant and defensive. So how do I overcome my fear of closeness and intimacy? There's two things. And today, just because I want to, we're going to swap it around. We're going to do the second one first. All right? Second one first. So we're going to start with number two, and then we're going to backtrack to number one. So how do we come, overcome the fear of intimacy? Well, the second thing that you've got to do, and every word of this is important, is this. You must take a prayerful, relational risk for an intimate, relational return. I'm going to say that again. You must take a prayerful Relational risk for an intimate relational return. A prayerful relational risk. We don't just give random haphazard risk. We must pray about what we invest our hearts and lives in. So too often we give our hearts away to everything that comes down the road. We need to be prayerful about that. But you must also know that even when you prayerfully do this, it will take a risk. In order for genuine intimacy to be achieved, you have to take a risk. You cannot be in control and also have intimacy achieved. You have to take a risk. 
You cannot hold, hold the upper hand and achieve intimacy. You cannot keep an ace up your sleeve and achieve intimacy. You, you, you have to be able to risk and be vulnerable in order to have closeness and intimacy. You have to. So write this down. It is scary to risk. But it's even scarier not to risk. Let's say that again. It is scary to risk. But it's even scarier not to. It's incredibly scary because it puts us in a vulnerable point. To put our heart on the line and to put ourselves in a position where we can be hurt. But it is scarier not to. It's, it's, it's you know, what I've seen before, it's, it's even scarier. You know, I, I've read a lot of people who don't want to go through life alone. I, a lot of people I've talked to. And what's even scarier than going through life alone is what we have to, in so many areas today where we have this false intimacy and relationship and it's not real and it's a game and you want to talk about loneliness. So many people that I know over the years that uh, are not married who say, oh, I just can't wait to get married. I want to get married. I, 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 and that loneliness is real. I don't want to be lonely. But that even more intense loneliness is many people who have just set, given their heart away without prayerfully relational um, preferably giving relational risk and having God and God in their lives and God's direction and, and the loneliness that many people feel without someone um, that they don't even know or they, they don't even feel the intimacy and the closeness and connection with. I've known so many great men, young men and women who just have given up and they say, oh, oh all men are losers and all women are heartless and you can't trust them. And so you've given up hope. Think about, though, how insulting that is to God. To say that God is not big enough. He's not big enough that he couldn't have the right person for you or, or work out the right thing. If you were just willing to be vulnerable and willing to go ahead and achieve closeness with him and with others. People who are, there are people who are Christ followers that I know who have no friends who are Christians. How do you expect to be close to God if you have nobody in your life that is going to support you and pray for you in the way God is. Like for me, anytime I've gone to counseling, one of the most things is they don't have to be a Christian counselor, but they have to be a counselor who's a Christian. You know, I got to have somebody who, who is on the same page as me. I don't want somebody telling me what to do when they don't believe in the God that I do. And I need to, I need to have that because I need this biblical worldview for my life. Um, and so, so that's an important thing. So how do you expect to be all God wants you without having those people to support you in your life? It's even scarier to go through life without spiritual and intimate connection with God's people that he wants us to have. So that's why we've done small groups, and that's why we've, we, um, we've done Bible studies, and that's why we, we do things. That's why I love when I see people from church who never knew each other connect and do things together um, because of their connection. Then, and I'm going to tell you something about s small groups and everything. You don't always have to have a Bible out there. I mean, if you like golfing, does anybody like golfing? Anybody like golfing? Raise your hand. Nobody likes golfing? Anybody bad at it? You know, right? So, I mean, um, what else do you like to do? Anybody like to do anything? You like to be outside now, right? Everybody likes to be outside. Um, you know, anybody like to do anything? Or you just, this is boring. This year just made you that boring. Anybody like to do anything? Huh? Hiking. Anybody like to hike? Anybody like to hike? There you go. Hey, guess what? You guys can get together and go uh, hiking. Doesn't mean you have to sing you know, the Gloria Patre all the way through the woods. It doesn't mean that. A lot of times, it's just good to spend time with people who love the Lord like you and are just trying to get through this life in the same journey to get to him. 
We often think that we got to slap everything together, but just do life together. That's all God wanted us to do. He grouped us together so that we would be together. That's the power of the church. And this last year, with social distancing and everything else, yes, there's reasons for it, but it, it, what it's done, it's shaken the church and it's shaken Christian people to the point that we don't even want to spend time with each other on Sunday mornings. The one time where we did spend time with each other, like we wouldn't even talk to anybody, but we sat in the same pew or whatever they called it. Um, but we need to spend time together because I'm tired of spending life with, the stuff I have to spend it with out there, I'd rather spend it with people that I love, that love me unconditionally, that also love the Lord. Those are the people that are strongest friends in my life. Those are the people I've begun to recapture life with. Because a lot of the people and a lot of things that I thought cared about me in life, guess what? They left me when the heat turned on. Anybody else relating to what I'm saying here? And so I don't need Job's friends. I need the disciples after the Pentecost. Not before. You see, so this is where we are. First Corinthians, Paul defines the quality of love this way. Look at what it says. If you've been to a wedding, you probably heard this. Love always does what? It trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. These are main things. If you've given up hope, if you say, I'm giving up hope, don't. Because why? When you get close to God, love always hopes. Okay? Have you stopped trusting? Then start Getting that perfect love from God. Why? Because love always trusts. And if you just feel like you can't go anymore, love always perseveres. It's scary to risk, but it's even scarier not to. And sadly, that's where a lot of people are today. So here's another thought on intimacy that I would like us to embrace. And, uh, and, and do this with everything you do. I kind of touched on it a little bit, but avoid what I... What I've heard called premature intimacy. Um, remember how we talked about a prayerful relational risk? So we're gonna pray. So here's what we do. We don't go up to a perfect stranger and say, hey, nice to meet you. Can I vomit my whole life story on you? Anybody met people like that? What do you want to do? And get away, right? It doesn't matter whether they're in the church or not. You just want to get away. You know why? Because you've not spent enough time with me to earn that in life. I mean, there's several people in my life that I can vomit everything on them because guess what? I know them and they know me and we've, we've had life, life together. Um, but so many people want, they, they, just, they just want something. They'll, they'll be in the checkout line in Walmart, in Walmart or at the grocery store or somewhere else and they'll just be like, hey, how are you today? Uh, I'm horrible. Let me tell you what happened. I, I lost my dog. I, I, you know, I, I got a backache today, and I, I, I don't have enough money to get this. And, I, and the, you're saying, why did I ask? Because you don't know that. A lot of people do that, and a lot of people do that in love and relationships. Oh, we just met. I love you. Remember in middle school where you'd have a boyfriend at 9 o'clock or a girlfriend at 9 o'clock, and by 12 o'clock you were broken up, and by 3 o'clock you had another one? Anybody remember that? You know, you're laughing because you were there, right? And that's what we do a lot in, in life. We just, so, because ultimately we want to be loved and we want that intimacy and we want that closeness. But the opposite side of keeping an arm's length, don't just give it away. Don't give that heart away because that's, that's headed for a heartbreak. You don't love these people. You don't even know them. You're in love with the idea of love, not the substance of love. Gail, if I had to ask you a question, is there a couple years where, or a couple days, maybe one or two, that Rich kind of tested that love with you? 
Okay, just one or two, right? <laughs> All right. Okay, move over. Now, you, Dave, you've got to put two between you. But <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is that love became something conditional, and you guys know each other. How long did you date before you got married? Okay, all right. <laughs> no. All right, so how many years? About a year. About a year or so? Okay, so there you go. So do you think they know each other? Some of you may not even know them. By the way, that's Rich and Gail. All right, so, and did you know what? You know something about them? How long have they been married? Okay, you know something about them now. You know why? Because I told you, and because they were vulnerable enough to say, hey, I want to celebrate something with God's people here today that God put us together 58 years ago, and we're thankful to him that we are together, and, this is, and they have a family, and they have a, a love and a care for each other, and they get to travel and do really fun stuff when kids are gone, right? Because kids are gone now. And they get to do those things. That started, not, that the wedding, although how good it was for them and for anybody else who's been married, that isn't the marriage, and that isn't the love. That's the beginning of the process. And some of the stuff that you go through in life is a heck of a lot more difficult. When you say for better or for worse, you didn't really mean, like, it gets that bad? Right. And the people that we, oh, I love you right away, because it's based off of something here. When the heat turns on, it falls apart. And so... We need to be in love with the substance of love, the commitment of love. I love what's in um, Song of Solomon. We did a series on that several years ago. And I like what he said to the Shulamite woman. And he says this in Solomon, Song of Songs um, 8, 4. He says, I want you to promise not to awaken love until the time is right. Until the time is right. And, and you read through that book. I mean, they are like, you know, he, he wishes it was then. He wishes love was right then. And we did a whole series on that. If you want to go back and listen to it. But he knew that intimacy didn't have to do with the physical. It had to do with something that was deeper. And for him, he said, I want to wait till the time is right. And we really connect in closeness that I know you and you know me. So avoid premature intimacy. Some of you are emotionally promiscuous. You have given your heart away to every single time someone you meet. I love her. She smells good. I don't love her anymore. I love him. His hair is flowing like Fabio. I don't love him anymore. He cut his hair. Um, I love him. He's got a nice job and doesn't live at home with his mom. I don't love him anymore. He moved into my plate, right? You know, um, I love so-and-so. She's my BFF. Oh, we hate each other anymore. You're playing this emotional Russian roulette, and so many people engage in premature intimacy, and they settle for false intimacy, which is not the real thing. True closeness and intimacy. According to psychcentral.com, in the article, The What and How of True Intimacy, they say, intimacy means deeply knowing another person and feeling deeply known. That doesn't happen in a conversation in a bar or during a lovely day at a beach or even at times during sexual intercourse. It doesn't happen in the first weeks and months of a new and exciting relationship. It doesn't develop when one person nurtures the relationship more than the other. No, intimacy is like fine wine. It takes time to deepen and mellow. It takes gentle handling, patience by all involved. It takes willingness to make mistakes and to forgive in the name of learning. Avoid premature intimacy. 
I remember a time um, in church, because like in, in seminary, there, there, when, when I was going through, and pretty much now, they often tell you as pastors, don't be, don't, don't put your laundry out there. That you, you, that you give a good three-point sermon, make sure you tie it back to the lectionary or some kind of biblical scripture, and then have some nice stories that have nothing to do with you and move on. And I remember when I was in preaching in, in seminary, I had problems with that because um, I grew up with a father who, you know, I, I was like, Jill and I were sermon illustrations one and two. And that's just, our life was here. Here's our life. And it was real and it was passionate. It was there. And so every time I do it, the, the, the preaching um, professor say, you know, you've got to go ahead and give them a, a ministry mystique. You can't let them see how vulnerable you are. You have to, people want to see you as a step above that you, you need to go ahead and, and have the separation in order so that you can minister to them. And, um, and I tried that, and it was horrible. I tried that a little bit, and, um, and so I just, I just decided, I remember I was with a, um, where was it? I was, um, there was a time that I was at a church, and um, there's something that happened, and there was a lot of, like, inner battle, and, like, inner conflict that was going on. And, and part of it was, okay, maybe I didn't communicate it as well. You ever have been one of those things that you don't want people to reject, you don't want people to be aggravated with you, so you just kind of like let it happen and you don't communicate it? So I said, that's probably one of the things that I did. But there was, there was also some people that were born and raised and it was their church and they owned, they owned it and it was passed down through everybody forever. Anybody been part of that? And great grandpapa, whatever, would, you know, you get it. All right, so, um, and there were awesome people. But it came to a point that we were at a point that we were just like, there was a conflict. And I was like, what do I do about this? So I, I went to the meeting, and I, I um, picked uh, a devotion. And, um, and they, it, was, it was so, it was so um, controversial at this time that they had a book, they, that they, they had a book of discipline I'm from the United Methodist Church. The rules of the, anybody who's been United Methodist is laughing right now. You know what I mean? The Book of Discipline was there, and Robert's Rules of Order were there, too. I mean, that just never happened unless there was some issue, and somebody's like, time to, you know, I'm like there. And I started, and it started a little bit, and I, and I, I went to a verse. I went to the verse about, um, from Paul that says, so we forget is what is behind, and we press on to the goal that lays before us in Christ Jesus. Um, Keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And I started out and I said, um, I did totally what they didn't tell me in seminary. And I said, um, I just want to tell you, I want to tell everybody here I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry you felt that way because that was not my intention. And I said, my intention was so-and-so. And I, and I said, now I've heard everything and I, I, I want to hear what you have to say. But ultimately, I think we are not getting anywhere and I'm going to take ownership of that, that I failed you guys, and I'm really sorry about that. But I'm going to ask that you do one thing. I'm going to ask that besides the book of discipline and Robert's Rules of Order, that we go to the Word of God, and we forget what is behind, and we press on to the goal that lays before us in Christ Jesus. Can we do that? And it changed the mood of the room, and everybody said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Let's pray. And everybody came together. And those things that meant so much fell by the wayside because I risked at that moment, to become vulnerable. Now, I've also been in places where if I did that, and I have done that, where people were ready to, to have, oh, ding, 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 ring the bell, World War III, you know. Um, but, but that's it. So what happened was I felt vulnerable, but, and I felt somewhat exposed in this. But when I did that, then everyone else became vulnerable as well. 
and it became safe and it became fun and God could move in that. Some of you right now, you've got relationships and you're not being authentic. Relationally speaking, some of you need to, quote, strip down and say, this is who I am. This is my heart. These are my fears. These are my hesitations. And I trust you to love me in spite of those flaws that I have. Without that, we don't have anything real, do we? So thought number two is we must take a prayerful relational risk to have a relational return. Is it going to be scary? Yes. It's a risk. But we know that God gives us that love to eliminate the fear. In 1 John chapter 4, 18, it says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Drives out fear. So that perfect love of God. All right, so now that we've done two, let's go backwards and do one. Countdown. Uh, the, so the, our first one is you must take prayerful, our second one is actually you must take prayerful relational risk for an intimate return. Relational return. Number one is before you risk, you must find security, acceptance, and intimacy and closeness in Christ. Before you risk, you must find security, acceptance, and intimacy in Jesus Christ. Why? Because when you risk and you are secure in who you are in Christ, when you know you are accepted by Christ, when you know that you have a closeness with him, you Risk out of a position of strength, not of vulnerability and weakness. Because if, as, as we sang in that song, if God is for us, no one can be against us. If God knows everything about me and still loves me, then what does it matter what anybody else says? In Matthew chapter 22, some guy comes along to Jesus and he said, and this goes along with the first song that we sang today. He said, what is the most important thing? Come on, give me the most important thing. And Jesus said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What is he saying there? Start with intimacy and closeness with God. Start there. That's what you start, start to. And the second is this. Love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't miss out on this. Don't miss out on this. Because many of us want to, are really good about trying to love others. But we're forgetting about the closeness and intimacy with God. We want the closeness and intimacy with others, but we're leaving out the closeness and intimacy with God. And so what this tells us is there is an order to truly achieving closeness and intimacy with each other. It starts by having closeness and intimacy with God and being secure in who we are in him. Find security in Christ. Find intimacy and closeness in Christ. Accept yourself and who he made you to be and who he's called you to be. Because you cannot find it with one another if you don't find it with Christ. And this is a major problem. If you consistently criticize yourself, you will ultimately be convinced that everybody else is criticizing you. If you don't trust yourself, then guess what? Why is anybody going to trust you either? We must find security, acceptance, and intimacy in Christ. Now, after nine years of preaching in United Methodist Church that I was in, um, and, and some of you have heard parts of the story before, um, they played musical chairs, the itinerant system, and moved me to Lewis, Delaware. And, um, and 
on the way, one of the interesting things is, often as a pastor in the itinerant system, and, and in any church that you're, you are a pastor of, when you leave, they often call those last couple months lame duck ministry. Um, you can't do anything. Uh, and, and what often happens at times, and I found this out the hard way, after nine years of being very close to, I mean, that church raised me. They were awesome people, um, and, and I loved all of them dearly. Some of you were there during those, uh, remember some of those years. But one of the things was, um, as I got, and, and after I announced that I was leaving, there were some people in the church that thought that my back was a dartboard. Um, that they could attack on my way out. You know what I mean? Anybody have those, anybody seen those axe throwing things? That's what I felt like I was getting daily. Because, I mean, I even had somebody say, I don't care what he's doing, he's gone. And I heard people say that. And then he see me, hi, how everyone going, how you doing, okay? And then he'd be like, yeah, I don't care what he's doing. You know, like that, it went on, right? Some of you who are there can shake your head and say, I'm not lying, am I right? Okay, there's some of that that went on. And it went on, it goes on in every church. It's not, it's, it's just part of what happens. And so with that, I was hurt deeply, okay, um, to the core of my being. Number one, I loved the people in Lewis that I was going to, and I formed some great relationships with people there. But these are the people that raised, raised me in that early ministry in church, and I felt myself just going to that appointment and staying forever and seeing God move and grow and, and do those things. It was, it was good. It was fun. It was, uh, it was pure. You know, like I didn't have t- 25 years of, the negative side of ministry to taint me. And he, I just was new and like, yeah, I know dad dealt with this, but I'm different, yeah, you know. And, and I was able to, to have that. And at that moment, I just felt this, I felt like I was losing something. I felt like I was losing a child because I had given nine years of my life to this place and seen God do some really cool things. And yet, my heart was breaking because of that. And it was breaking because people who I loved dearly, were not as close and intimate as I thought they were. And anything that I had shared with them before now became something to use against me. And I hurt. And I would see people out and they would be like, hey, and they, they would be distant. It was a distance. And so I went to Lewis with this kind of feeling. And the first week there, I was, I was, I was, going, I was going through the motions. I was doing the, the church service. I think I told you it was when those dress, really dressy, like shiny t-shirts were in, you know what I mean? Like the really sheer ones, but they were, they're like, you could wear them. And um, I showed up and this was a church that people were robed and looked like the, the Pope. Um, and here I am in a shiny t-shirt and a lady who actually I grew to love told somebody else that um, said, uh, he seems nice, but he should be in Millsboro. I don't know what's in Millsboro, but I should have been there. Um, and then just to let you know, six months later, she took a Bible study and she told me I needed to, she said to another, the same lady, she said, I think he needs to be bishop. So I went from Millsboro to bishop somehow in six months. But um, love that lady dearly. Um, she didn't have a hair out of place. Um, but anyway, um, so, um, sorry, ADHD. Um, but but in this process, I went there with that hurt. I went there with the pain. And during the first message, I heard um, that God, um, I heard God say, go, in the midst of talking. And I was like, where? And he was really silent. And I'm like, you can't tell me go, and then don't tell me where. That's not fair. And, and so he was just there. And so these ups and downs, so I was doing ministry. So I decided I was not going to get hurt again. I was going to shut it down. And what really set me over the top is when I did communion for the first time. And I got to the point, and, and I, I took the communion bread, and, I, and we did the liturgy. Um, but I got to the point of taking the bread, and I said, and I got to the end, and I said, um, you know, that there's, it takes grains, and all of us are different grains that God puts together so that we have bread, and, 
and he broke it, and I, and I talked about, you know, the, the cup of redemption, and I've, I've done that here before, too, and I, I shared that, and this, this lady come, came up to me afterwards, and she said, I got to tell you, when you got to the point of the communion bread, and I was waiting for like, wow, and I got, I was so worried about germs. And I've never wanted to hit somebody so much in my life at that moment. You know, all that pain, and here it is again. I'm like, God, you said, go, where am I? And so that pain was just more. And I decided, no, I'm not getting close to anyone here. I'm not going to, I am going to be hmm, here, and it's going to be arm's length. And I tried that. I tried it, and I was miserable. I was even grieving more. People would come to me and say, hey, I want to talk to you. And I'd say, okay. And I tried to do it from a very, oh, well, this way. But then God just went ahead and just said, Jack. And he took me and shook me and said, that's not who you are. And you need to be confident in who I am. I don't care what anybody else says about you. You are who I called you to be. And then I let my tears out, let my heart go. And then I just, rather than being somebody who shrank and disconnected and tried to disconnect and be a shell of my former self, I say, God, I am broken, but only you are the potter that can put me back together. And so let me tell you what I do today, like you don't know. So I stand up week after week in front of you all, and in every area of my life, and to people, some I don't know very well or at all, and I risk in every area I'm at. And if you don't think it's a risk, come up now and share with me what you're going through this week and your fears and your concerns and your mental struggles and your emotional struggles and the, and the attacks that you have out here. Go ahead and do it and see how you feel. And some of you may say, ain't no way, baby. That's not what I'm going to do. For me, it's what God's called me to do, to be real and authentic because Many people, like I've shared in church here before, and have one lady came up to me at the church and said, hey, how'd you think? She started telling me what she didn't like. I said, yeah, that's why there's more down the road. I mean, because I'm confident in who God has me being. I am, because I'm not everybody's flavor of the month, right? But I am his. And so I open up about my heart, my joys, my struggles, my ups, my downs, my overall life. I am completely vulnerable, and you know what? Sometimes it hurts more than you can imagine because sometimes we live in a world where people take your vulnerability, they take your care, they take your love, and they take it and they use it to attack you. And there are moments that I hear some interesting things about me that just go, well, that's interesting. I've been criticized. My, I, my good intentions have been twisted. Um, people come up with warped motives, and I've heard some of the craziest stuff in the last year or two than I ever have in 25 years of ministry, 50 years of life, 11 years of teaching. I've heard some of the craziest things about me that I'm like, really? Am I like that? You start to ask yourself those things. Some of those things hurt and cut to the heart. Others have started to make me get in check and not be the person I am. Some of those are really laughable and super ridiculous. Um, And some of you say, yeah, that right now saying, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I'm criticizing you right now. Thank you for your honesty. Um, Jump on board. But the question is, why do I do it then? Number one, because I had a father, an earthly father, who was real and had a pastor's heart. He taught me, lived out and displayed the importance of being genuine and real, no matter what, and to let God not only use the good in your life, but often... To know that the message of the gospel is God's story of redemption and healing 
Because guess what? As a pastor, which is a title, as a child of God, if I am perfect, then I have no need for God and I am the Savior. Guess what? Initials are JC, but I ain't. I'm in need of a Savior. His name is Jesus. And I need him so much. And so, to you, this is a risk I cannot afford not to take. Because what I believe is if, if I model it and God connects with you, then maybe you will be real and you will connect with God. And then you, in turn, will connect with others and your life will never be the same. There are people in this room right now, just because of me knowing you, you have stories that aren't nice and pretty. But it's in those stories that you're going to reach more people with the goodness of God than anything if your life was perfect. And so what I do and how can I do it? I do it because I do it from a strength of position. A position of strength that I am accepted by Christ. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of me. Now, later today, somebody's going to say something, and it's going to make me mad. It's going to make me upset. I'm going to want to go Old Testament on somebody. I'm going to be looking for a jawbone of a donkey. You know what I mean? I, that's, that's who I am. I'm going to shed tears. I'm going to be afraid. I'm going to be upset. But i got to keep coming back to the fact of it does not matter what anybody says says about me. It doesn't matter what anybody does to me. It, uh, it, the scripture says if you kill the body, go ahead. To be absent from the body, body is where? Present with the Lord. I got some people I really love that I wouldn't mind seeing. And one of them is Jesus. And so I'm passing through anyway. I just found out today that if I have five more years, I'm a senior citizen now from that <laughs> group. I mean, dang. Um, I feel worse than I did when I came into church. You know, but <laughs> But ultimately, ultimately what I'm saying is we need to start to approach our fear of closeness and intimacy from a position that I am accepted by Christ. And he is all that matters. I do it because this is who I am. And guess what? One of my greatest fears in my life has always been not being good enough. But guess what? If I'm not good enough for you, as I said to that girl, there's plenty other places to go. Romans 5, 7, 15, 7 says this. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. In order to do what? Bring praise to God. You ever have a, those of you multiple children, you ever have times when they fight and it drives you batty? Anytime they fight, there's like that. But guess what? When they get along, like, you ever gotten to a point where you, like, secretly see them, like, ones who don't get along, like, just doing something fun together? And you, like, sit back, and you may even take a picture of it, because you're like, this never happens. <laughs> you're like, thank you, Jesus, right? But we have that. What I've learned in those points is love and peace. The fruits of the Spirit begin to flow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Those things, those things just flow when we accept one another, just as Christ accepted us. You are acceptable. We risk out of that strength. Now I want to show you a, 
a quick video to tell you, uh, just, to, just to put this together. It's only about two minutes or so. Um, it's um, from an Oprah show. And um, I want you to take a look at this. And Pastor Rick Warren was on here this time. And uh, it's about a guy named Nick Vojacek. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, what is it? Vojacek. There you go. And I wanted you to see this video. You may have seen him before. Here we go. What happened to you that you were able to take all of your, take your chemistry, being born with no arms and no legs, take your connections, your relationships, your life circumstances, your state of consciousness, and then choose, make the conscious choice that you were going to take all of that which the rest of the world looks at undeniably as a pretty bad hand. What, what happened to you that you were able to do that? I'm gonna show you. Come, come, come. The this step right here, is there enough light here? Okay. The chemistry, I was born without arms and legs. The chemistry I could not change in my life. I know that God didn't give me this pain, but what the enemy tried to use for bad, he turned into good. Amen. The connections. I want to tell uh, Porsche, uh, look, I'm a guy, I love cars, okay? And I love Porsches more than Ferraris, okay? <laughs> and, and I want everyone to know that, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And until you can actually understand that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made from God, um, I want you to know that, that you will always be trapped and chained and you will be stopped. But when you have the incredible power of faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you're beautiful just the way that you are. No worries. For me, I felt the connection. Yeah. For me, in my life, I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to get married. I can't, you know, can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I going to have? But you know what? All things come together for the good for those who love him. Man, this is a little bit high. I'm going to break my arm, man. This is pretty crazy. All right, I'm going to break my arm. Circumstances. Being born without arms and legs, man, it's all about choice. You asked me what it was. I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you, you can either be angry for what you don't have or be thankful for what you do have. Do your best, and God will do the rest. Then consciousness. Because I gave my life to Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing of my mind, I knew that I could be unstoppable. Isn't that awesome? And um, just to let you know, at age 10, he tried to commit suicide. And... God took, and much of it was because of, uh, he was bullied and he was just ostracized. He surfs. He plays soccer. He does, he drives probably a Porsche. Um, he has a beautiful wife, has several children. You can see him all over the Internet. And here's what's really awesome. He has led thousands upon thousands to Christ. I love Christ. He took that, that fear of of closeness and intimacy. You heard him say, how could I ever be married and how could I do this? And he took what everybody else said was a setback and gave it to God and became vulnerable because he knows who he is, that he's accepted by Jesus and he can approach life from a point of strength and he's changed the world and changed his life. 
you have that same power in you from Jesus Christ by knowing who you are in him, that you're accepted. And regardless of what the world says and regardless of even what you say, go back to our minefield, regardless of what's going on there. God has a plan for your life and he's called you and he loves you. You are accepted from a position of strength. You are acceptable. You are secure and you can have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Um, let's stand as we go to prayer. God, as we uh, bow our heads now, um, I ask that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. Or, or looking around, or there are those of you who say, I, I lack a closeness or an intimacy with God. I don't have it. So take time to uh, take a prayerful risk and to let God lead you. And you'll see God's ultimate return. Is it risky? Absolutely. Could you get hurt? Yeah, you could. But it's more dangerous not to take this risk. This is a risk you can't afford not to take. Commit to that risk. And so if you feel that, just say in your heart, or you can say out loud, whatever you want, God, I commit. I don't want to do this without you. God, I pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we will find ourselves secure in you, not by our performance, but because of what Jesus did. God, that we would see ourselves as you see us, special, acceptable, blessed of God. And God, out of that perfect love in our relationship with you, that you will drive out all fear. We acknowledge that the spirit of fear is not from you, and God, replace our fear with faith. May your perfect love overtake our hearts. We pray for healed relationships. And we pray for new relationships. We pray for intimacy and closeness that Satan tries to steal and has stolen from us. Jesus said, the only way to come to the Father is through me. The only way to have a close, intimate relationship is through Jesus Christ. Not through good works, not through religion, not through performance, only through Jesus. And so Jesus says, come, come right now in this moment. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been, no matter what you've done, come with your doubts, come with your uncertainty. Come with your fear. Come with your questions. Come with your sin where you've missed the mark. And when you come to Jesus, the Bible says he will make you a new person. Everything that was old becomes new and you are forgiven. And so God... If you want to do that, I ask that you pray right now with me. God, I want to know you through Jesus. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Jesus, take my whole life. I submit to you as the Savior and Lord of my life. Transform me. Take me as I am. Be the Savior, the Lord that I need. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And now I want to live for you. Take my whole life. I surrender it to you, and the intimacy I have with you will flow from my being to so many others. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, and everybody says, amen. If you prayed any of those prayers today, particularly that last one, maybe somebody prayed that for the first time and just said, all right, Jesus, time to put up a shut up. Guess what? All heaven's throwing a party. And may that intimacy with Christ grow deeper in your own intimate relationships. Because guess what? Satan ain't giving up. He's out there as soon as you walk out this door.
to go ahead and tell you that wasn't anything and you're never going to be anything. Nobody wants to be close to you. And I'm going to tell you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you. He gave his life up for you. Let's pray. And let me, let's go ahead. We already prayed, didn't we? We can keep on praying. It'll work. I'll do this. I'll do the preacher thing. Be in an attitude of prayer. There we go. Just worship. Here we go.
dressed in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the week and Jesus we're going to wrap this series up next week and I'm not going to tell you what it's about and so you got to come back um hey I hope this is uh, good for you I hope everybody is is letting fear go out because perfect love casts out fear and we have not been given a spirit of fear but of power and a sound mind have a great week God bless have a good father's day later